Yo, what's up? It's Steady Talk again here, episode number five with Chandler and Connor and our good friend, Brett Ustry. Um, make sure to check out all the links in our socials, uh, the Steady Talk podcast Instagram page, my Instagram page, Cham- at Chandler Jacobs, at Connor's, at underscore. I think that's what it is. Um, yeah. Click the link tree. Uh, you got the links to all the podcast links, uh, the Patreon link as well. So check those out, and uh, we appreciate you uh, checking in again this week. So I'll have Connor say a few words here. Yeah, for sure. So um, very excited for today's episode. Um, like Chandler said, we have our good friend Brett uh, with us. Um, he's also one of our fraternity brothers as well. Um, actually just got back from... Uh, would you call it a deployment or tour? Yeah, it was a deployment. Deployment. Um, just got back from Kuwait. So you were there for six six or seven months, is that right? Yeah, from January to July. Okay. Um, what was that whole experience like? And I guess, because I, I know for me, I've had to move away from for work, literally just like a state away. Um, so what's it like getting, I guess, a phone call or something and being like, hey, you're moving like across the world pretty much for you know like half a year yeah yeah so it was about oh probably april may of last year Mm -hmm. that 2021 2021 that uh i was told like hey you're gonna be going with you know part of the rotation on a six plus month deployment over overseas and they weren't quite sure where i was gonna go was either going to go to Iraq or Kuwait Jeez. or UAE. Mm-hmm. And then about um, October or September, October of 2021, they're like, for sure you're going to Kuwait. So, yeah, I was there for six, a little over six months. Yeah. Are you glad that you got stationed there instead of like Iraq? Was there like a huge difference? Because I'm not super kept up on like – Today's with the socioeconomic yeah things like, going on like when at that, stuff, especially at that point yeah I didn't know if like you had got sent over there because of what was going on like in Ukraine or or what was that well that was this year though I guess it was wasn't it yeah so uh, wasn't Ukraine Ukraine actually started when I was over there I think it was like February twenty something whenever yeah. when Russia actually, invaded uh, Ukraine but uh, no so um, we have to keep our military presence over there. Mm. So, um, we have bases, you know, in, uh, Iraq, Kuwait, Qatar, okay. UAE, you know, like little small, like army, air force, even Navy, you know, you know, we're all Marines all over there. Yeah. Um, yeah, pretty much it's to, you know, keep a presence that it's still doing, you know, it's probably top secret operations and right, stuff right. going on. For plus, sure. plus For we're sure. supporting, um, Europe as well from there and everything like that. So okay, because um, ge- geography wise, like I kind of have an idea, but like Europe. So Europe's located north. Yeah. Of, of Iraq and all those. That's kind of area, correct? Correct. Okay. So do the Europeans kind of occupy up there? Do they are they also stationed throughout those areas? Like like the U.S. would be. Yeah. So. Um, Kuwait and you know Qatar and UAE are all pretty much situated on the Persian Gulf. Okay. Um, so we have coalition forces um, at Kuwait. Uh, I was at Ali Al Salim Air Force Base. Uh, we had uh, Italians, 
um, Canadians, the Danish. Um, I saw UK there, um, France. I mean, it's just <clears throat> it's just everybody, you know, kind of goes and helps out and has their own, you know, missions and everything. Do you make? Did you interact with a lot, a lot of a lot of like the other companies from the other countries? Do you like make friends? With yeah, like, like I was like, did you make any like, cool friends like from like around the world, like other soldiers or anything? Um, or, like, all US? or like just experience some of their different culture? Like, yeah, that they definitely like probably brought like to those different bases and everything. Yeah, so um, remember the Italians invited us over to their. Um, where their housing and everything. You made, like, homemade pizza and stuff, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So they brought yeah, us that, over and invited us over. Yeah, and no Yeah, I made, you know, cheese pizza. <laughs> they were not impressed uh, yeah. with my pizza-making skills, but it's okay. They were <laughs> yeah, nice about it. That's why we got a little Caesars, baby. No, the funny thing was, um, there was a, it said where they brought this pizza in, and I was like, is this pineapple? Like, I couldn't really tell. I was like, is it pineapple or, like, potato? It was, like, something different. I go, was ask... It like, the dough or, like, some... It, like the There's dough, toppings for it. it was like toppings for oh, it, okay. and then I asked one of the Italians, like just like nonchalantly, like this isn't pineapple, right? And he like, <laughs> like he's like, like like he's like, hold up, essentially. <laughs> when I grabbed the mic, and it was like, like announced to everybody in there, like like make it known. This is not a pineapple. Pineapple does not belong on pizza. Of course, everybody, like, there's people talking and, yes. you know. So now for all those listening who think pineapple belongs Pineapple pizza, does not does go not on pizza. pizza. For sure. That's straight, straight from the Italians on that one. So we'll, we'll move. Uh, so when you first went over there, what were your emotions like? making kind of that first transition into, you know, a different time zone, a different living situation. You know, now you're probably, you probably share a lot of spaces with a lot of people. Just what is that like mentally or maybe even physically from like stepping away from kind of your life to, and all your friends and family and having to like move? What was that? What's kind of that like? I know you've experienced it before, but like for us that haven't, what is that like? So essentially, you know, preparing like before I left, like mentally, you know, just, you know, I got out of my apartment. I sold my truck because I didn't need a truck. Oh, so yeah, I had just bought a, a that Chevy. It was uh, a Ford Ranger. Oh, the, yeah. yeah. One of the newer Ford yeah. Rangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was yeah. nice. Yeah. I made money. Yeah. I can make money off of it. And I was like, well, I'm not going to use yeah. it anyways. Right. You know? So yeah. I was like, might as, well just, might as well just do it. So, um, at the time, I was seeing, I was in a relationship, and then you know, f- family, and just you know, saying my goodbyes and just preparing yeah. to be over there. Then, you know, on I flew out January twentieth, and then I went to Norfolk in Virginia. Mm-hmm. We got snowed in, so I was there for like two, three days, and then the plane ride. I flew over to um, Ireland, and then from there. I uh, had a few brewskis there before I went over to Kuwait because Kuwait's a dry country, so it wasn't going to be oh, get, yeah, getting right. anything. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, of their, of their religion and everything yeah. over there. So. At least you got cigars, though. I know you were smoking a lot of cigars. <laughs> they had Cubans, so I was <laughs> yeah. enjoying that. Yeah, I was <laughs> jealous, man. Yeah, so I uh, flew there, and we flew to Bulgaria, and then from Bulgaria um, flew to Kuwait, and that was... I think it was like over a day 
it felt like. Oh, I mean, it's pretty close to it. So, you know, just uh, and then it was like a nine hour uh, difference from there to back so home. It was like jet lag because I've never been out of the country, so I don't, I don't know. So it, I'm sure it takes you about a couple days or like a week just to kind of get used to. It, yeah, it took me about. Yeah. It's even worse when you go out of the country because yeah, it's even worse when you go out of the country because when you go to like California, you uh-huh. go like back two hours or yeah. the East Coast, you go forward. forward. But when you jump the pond anywhere, you're mm-hmm. going either forwards or backwards. When like you should be asleep, seven, eight, nine, fourteen hours ahead. So like you just have the, it's it is kind of it is kind of brutal. Yeah, for a day or a couple of days, especially. You said that you spent a whole day on air on air, air airplanes. Yeah, and uh, it was a big airliner. It wasn't like sure. a, it wasn't a military uh, airplane. It was a contract, you know. Okay. Big. So you weren't like flying Southwest. <laughs> no, not <laughs> spirit. Not spirit. Not nothing spirit, like that. No, yeah. nothing like that. We'll right. Just drop you off. Like jump out. No, um, and I don't sleep well on planes at all. So yeah. I barely got any sleep. You know, I was just really groggy, and then we yeah. got there and. It was probably like five thirty in the morning, six o'clock. Oh. You know, it's the sun's starting to come up and Hot then, as shit. Uh, no, not that time. So it was, it was it was it nice. was cool. It was probably in the fifties. Yeah, I guess in, yeah. in January. Yeah, it was in the fifties there at that time. And um, remember the people there, you know, they're they're transitioning. The people we're taking over for, like they have to help us get, you know, in processed in and then mm. they're bouncing, they're out processing as we're in processing and they're trying to Get their stuff together because they're leaving within you know a couple days or you know within the week. Yeah. So I mean, they wanted us to get our stuff done because they needed our stuff to get done for them to actually leave and move on and take us take over. So I was up from I think I didn't go back to bed until like three four in the afternoon Jeez. after getting stuff done and then yeah. had to wake up the next morning to go go right to work. So so what did I guess. What what did like a normal day kind of look like? So for you, if you're able to like get into yeah, so I kind of I'll give you like like what my job is. So it's uh, the name of the job is material management mm-hmm. in the Air Force. Um, they call it supply. So basically, we we're like the logistics of. So we're in charge of all plane parts, from big parts to nuts and bolts, like ordering them. Uh, like that, that's or? that's part of it. Uh, my section I was working at was aircraft parts store, so we were in charge of like all the main parts. So somebody oh. would order something from somewhere on base, um, we would pull it, you know, uh, make sure um, it's good to go. If it's not, we have to do research and search for it and do a lot of computer paperwork stuff yeah. too on top of it. Updated, yeah, it's going. Yeah, who's it going to? And if the part's uh, bad, and condemning it, yeah. paperwork, and then sending it off, and I mean, it's kind of. I mean, it's not exciting work, but I mean, it's an important part of the whole <laughs> yeah. thing because they always say, yeah. you know, in the Air Force, you can't fly without supply. So, right. yeah. you know, we, we're, we're. I mean, we're a crucial part of getting planes off the ground. Yeah, you know, and it's just it, as important it, as flying. Yeah. Things. Everyone yeah. has that importance. Yeah. yeah. That's funny because you do that and outside of this I do like purchasing. Mm-hmm. So I would probably that's probably very similar to the type of things. Now on a government level I know there's so much more paperwork like yeah. you were mentioning and everything, but that's really funny. So <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. I was like, well, me and Brent might have So you got me interested in what 
who now the way you acquire materials, mm-hmm. you put out a contract, correct? Or is it filled by per se Raytheon, per se Boeing? Like is or is that on like another scale? that's like outside of kind of where you're at are you talking about how I like flew in on a plane no no like where do you get the parts like because there is those companies like those contractors that contract out to the government so like do you go to them and is that where you get your parts from like the Raytheon or Boeing or things like that or is it or are you kind of just like material supply get it out to the on base we got to get these things going so what I'm not particularly 100% sure who brings them in? I'm pretty sure they all come on like the huge like C-17 planes okay. from yeah out, outside, whether it's from the U.S. or you know in Europe or somewhere. They get transported down to another part of logistics, not where I work at. It's called Aeroport, and then Aeroport will do the unloading, the unpacking, and then they'll take it up to another section that's called TMO, and then they're they're the ones where we take the stuff. Two, if we need to, you know, send it off for repairs or, or whatnot, we'll come there, pick up the parts, you know, you know, count inventory, make sure, you know, what they printed off is correct of what's there. Yeah. We're looking at the stock number or the part number or the quantity, you know, and we check that and make sure it's all good to go. We'll take it and then put it into our warehouses, you know, and make sure, you know, everything's, you know, marked and checked correctly and then it's good to go. So are you working like Monday through Friday, nine to five? Or like, how does, are you working seven days a week? Is, how does it, like the, I guess the schedule of it all? No, so when I first started there, um, there was 18 of us. So there was quite a few people, but we need to get our own process, how we want to do things. You know, I worked with, so I'm an NCO, a non-commissioned officer. I'm a tech sergeant in the Air Force, which is an E6. So I'm, it goes junior enlisted to NCO to senior NCOs. So the senior NCOs, they're in charge of the NCOs, which the NCOs are in charge of, you know, the junior enlisted. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a, like a flowing, a good, like flowing machine, you know, right. mm-hmm. like clockwork. So um, the NCOs and senior NCOs will talk about like how we want to do things. And then we let, you know, the uh, people underneath us, the junior enlisted, you know, tell them what we expect from them, how we want to do things, make it just flow correctly so everybody's on the same page, same sheet of music, so everything goes well. Because mm-hmm. once, you know, people go off track or do their own thing, you know, then things get complicated or it's just more headaches right, yeah. than anything else. But so we started off doing like 12 hour shifts, six days a week Oof. for two or three weeks. And then we're like, okay, we got enough people. So then we split up the three shifts. The morning, the day shift, the evening shift, and then the midnight shift. Yeah, sure. So I worked the evening shift. And I worked from two to eleven. So we worked nine hours, mm-hmm. six days a week. Depending if everything we need to get stuff done, like stuff popped up at the end of the night, like we would make sure that you know it's all taken care of, right. you know, before we leave. So sometimes we worked you know ten hours or yeah. you know whatnot. But yeah, yeah, yeah I only have one day off after yeah. the week. So outside of work, though, like. What is, because you're kind of giving us an insight on what it's like living on a base, because mm-hmm. not many people have ever experienced living on a base, especially one in Kuwait. So outside of like your job, you know, mm-hmm. what do you do? Well, so I would always start my day off. I had to get a routine because if I didn't have a routine, this is kind of how I am in general. If I get off on a routine, I, I, uh, 
I uh, don't, I don't know. I just feel like I'm wasting my day. So, yeah. so I got up, I would go get coffee and I go hit the gym and then from the gym, come back, take a shower, eat and then go to work and then get off work, take a shower, go to bed. Right. And that is literally my did. whole process <laughs> of what I did. And then my day off, you know, there'd be like, you know, like a pool hall, dart hall, you know, like we go just hang out. There's like little restaurants here and there that, okay. you know, kind of go eat, get away from the dining facility food and everything like that. Yeah. And um, there, I got to go off base um, quite a bit, actually, because I was a part of, uh, it's called Dermo. It's like demilitarization of like condemn parts, you know, ship it off. We have to go to like an army base mm-hmm. that was like an hour away from our Air Force base. So I would go off base, you know, two, three times, you know, a month. Yeah. And then sometimes we got to go, uh, once every, the COVID stuff started to dial down a little bit, especially, you know, here in the, in the States and then it's dialed down over there in Kuwait too. Yeah. We were able to go off base and I was able to do, you know, go to different like restaurants, yeah. you, you know, went, see. You, you went see doing, or you went jet skiing in like the Persian Gulf or some shit. I thought that was so sick. It just instantly made me think of jet ski, like jet skis in Dubai. No, by Travis Scott. Because oh, oh, yeah, yeah. you, you have the backdrop of like the buildings there, they're not like skyscrapers like we have here. They're like needle type looking buildings of like big sphere. It's it was sick. Yeah, yeah. I was like I was very jealous. Yeah, you know, me and another guy just went down there and they're like, Yeah, like eighty bucks for an hour. Hey, you know, that. sign our names, sign our names on a contract that was all in Arabic. I had no idea what it said, and then we just and then we just went off for an hour, and it was a great time. Yeah, so that's probably my one of my favorite parts when I was down there, just doing that. And yeah, the food was pretty good too. Oh, I'm sure the food was phenomenal. Yeah, I I think it just like did you when you were on the jet ski? Did you ever just stop out in the water and just like take in? Oh yeah, like that moment of being like, I'm nowhere near home. I'm on this jet ski in the middle, like. Of the ocean, of the yeah. ocean across the world. I, because when you when you posted that, I I was like trying to envision myself there and just be like, damn, that would be so. That would be so. Even like just like in Miami, you know, you see people like whipping. Um, yeah, driving a jet ski around and got the backdrop of the yeah. islands and everything. Yeah, no, the water was it wasn't choppy. It was smooth. Yeah, so I'm just flying. Was it super cold? No, it was warm. Nice. Yeah, it was warm and very salty. And I know yeah. that because two, like, teenagers on jet skis, like, oh, were coming up to me and the other guy. We thought they were just wanting to, you know, chit-chat. And at the last <laughs> second, they just they they whipped it and just soaked us. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> the, their jet skis were pristine, and they flew oh, yeah. off, and there's no you way we're going to Yeah, just had the rentals, and then we're like, well, it's time to, it's time to head back. It's time to scurry on back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I remember though I, I don't know why it makes me I remember commenting on you since you brought up his Instagram I remember commenting on Brett's some snaps or something and he has he has this brown Nike shirt it's just a plain Nike shirt it has a white was it a white swoosh or a black swoosh and it has a, the Air Force Base and Arabic that shirt mm-hmm. is one of the coolest shirts I've ever seen yeah I like 
And then you went camel riding, and it's like the Kuwait city, and it's got like that hog on. It's like on a motorcycle or something. Yeah, no, it's a yeah, it's a camel with his <laughs> turban flying, smoking a cig <laughs> yeah, on, a Harley, on a Harley Davidson. It says just Kuwait City. And, <laughs> so I bought one for me, my dad, and my brother. That's, that's, <laughs> I saw I saw Ewell commented on it. Shout out to Eric Williams. He was like, "Bro, give me one of those shirts." Yeah, I still need to get my turban from you. I have it. I found it the other day. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was one day you were out in the desert and you had a freaking turban on with your glasses. I was like, bro, it looks so sick. So I was like, dude, please give me a turban. But then you were like, you're like, oh, I just picked up the last one from the shop, but I'll see what I can do. And I was like, yeah, please. I want to ask about your uh, tattoos. Okay. So what? Uh, you acquired quite a few. Did you get them over in Kuwait, or was this like? recently because i've seen a few of them but i definitely see more than what i've seen yeah so i got just recently started getting tatted up too right yeah this this year yeah yeah i got my first tattoo in january before i left yeah yeah so i got two or i got three chevrons on the bottom of my wrist the first one's darkened in it's like a sibling tattoo so you know me my brother and my my sister Mm -hmm. so of course i'm the the oldest so Mm -hmm. i got the first one darkened Brother's got the second one, vice versa. My sister turns 18. She wants to get it too. And then uh, I went with the neo-traditional with the skull right here, with yeah, the firefighter. Um, it was like my brother's tattoo artist, and then uh, he loves the neo-traditional. And mm-hmm. so I got the firefighter one. Eventually, he's going to get one that's a police one too. Yeah, because Seth is pretty tatted. Yeah, he's... He's, 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 got, like a whole he's got a whole sleeve. Yeah, he's got like 12, 13 tattoos, yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. And then um, I got the flowers on my forearm. Uh, it's like my mom's grandma, stepmom, and then my stepsister's you know favorite flower. So Hawaiian flowers, my stepmom. Uh, Cardations are my mom's. Lilacs, my grandma. Sunflowers, my mom. Or uh, sorry, my sister. And then I got the. That's your most recent one. Oh yeah, that's my most recent one. I got uh, death in a. Miami Vice blue Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> holding a beer can, <laughs> with sunglasses on, with a banner underneath that says "Not today." Uh, we'll have to take a picture of that and post it on yeah. the Instagram with, it, with that. With, with this, what's the? Is there a significant meaning behind that? No, I honestly was uh, just, just was looking cool. up tattoos to get, and then uh, I, I saw that one. I was like, yes, and I like knew that tattoo artist yeah. there at Goodfellas um, here in Kansas City. Uh, I know he he would do something like that, so I hit him up, and he was like, "Yeah." Funny thing is, too, is that uh, well, yes, it's not funny, but the queen died the day I got this too. Oh, so, wow. yeah, rest in peace. You know? Yeah, but but it's 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 cool though because it's like it's a life every life. every single day everybody risks you know the death. death, but then like um, humorizing it, putting it in like a Hawaiian T-shirt and like drinking a beer, it's just kind of like, and then it, the the banner. Not today, you know, it's just like, I said, they'll, hey, yeah. you know, death, if Not you could today. just, like, wait, right. maybe an extra day so I can, like, drink some beer and just have fun with my buddies, that would be cool. It's very, know? like, simple yet complex. Because yeah. I'm, I'm to the point now where I'm just, uh, like, moving forward, just going to get tattoos that I think are cool, like, that don't really have any significant meaning, since the ones I have currently are, like have some sort of meaning so then moving forward it's just going to be a whole bunch of random stuff but I'm afraid to do color I like keep in mind just like black I don't know like once I got this one with the the firefighter helmet and the red and gold yeah. I was like yeah this is pretty cool and then yeah. he I was a little 
you know, I was kind of worried about it just a little shades, bit. But the, the shade, the shades, the the sunglasses, like the like the the color he did on those is sick. Like the the reflection yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's that's really good. Here, plug the plug the tattoo artist. Who is it? It's uh, uh, Josh uh, over at uh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Okay. Yes. Yep. Check him out. But I, I know you mentioned too. You said Kuwait was um, a dry country, uh-huh. and so um, I know part of your routine was working out and stuff like that. And you got shredded. I did. Um, which I, I did. thought was super sick. And yeah. Because you were hitting PRs like benching, you were, um, you know, squatting. Because you were trying to get that thousand pound club. Yeah, I was trying to go thousand pound club. Uh, when I went, when I started there, I've never really done too much leg work ever yeah I kind of just yeah same not a big fan of legs I was like chest and arms you know and I was like I was like I'm over there I was like I'm gonna gonna get out my comfort zone and uh, I'm gonna try and work on squatting and deadlifting and you know uh, I have two buddies um, Jason who works at Kansas City uh, Fire Department and another buddy Sean uh, who works at Oakland Park Police Department and uh they're big into powerlifting and everything like that. So I hit them up and would send them videos of like me squatting and, form and my form and, and everything. Okay. And they were critiquing, okay. giving me tips on how to, you know, um, do better. And right. I got to the point where, you know, I was getting really loving it. Really like leg day, like was my favorite day. Like I couldn't wait to do yeah. legs. And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, I just got into a, a trance and just dove in and just hit the weights hard because I mean it's about an hour and a half two hours then I can spend my day in there and it's a nice facility too very nice it's not like for sure outside like type stuff you're like in an air conditioned like yeah once it started getting hot like June July the AC it was struggling to work uh, especially in the (laughs) the 10 gym which I loved, like, working out in the tin gym, but it would get 90, 95 degrees in there. And it's just in a sauna. No wonder you got shredded. Because you, like, and you posted, like, uh, progress pictures, too. Yeah. You, like, had a six-pack. Your delts were, like, huge. I know you were going on, like, super long walks. Yeah. With, like, your weighted vests and doing the Murph and stuff like that. So I thought, but you did 75 hard before you deployed. Yes. Right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I myself have tried to do that twice. I, the most I've made it was day 19. What was that experience like doing 75 hard? And like, what was, what was kind of like your routine in regards to that? Because for me, the biggest thing was like, I would wait to read like right before bed. And then I would, there was one time I, I fell asleep reading and I was like, well, I have to like restart now. So like, what was your routine? What was your experience? And then like, I guess because I, I I tried it too. Me and Nikki made it to like day fourteen, I think, and we went to uh, Love Jack and Allie's oh, wedding, yeah. and yeah. I we caved there too. So like, yeah. what 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 was your experience like? Yeah. So it's hard. Yeah. So I was um, going through a bunch of stuff at the time. So I. Uh, was changing police departments from Overland Park to Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And um, I was starting to do, like, my lateral process. And, you know, haven't hit the streets just yet in Kansas City, but it was getting close to when I was going to start doing, you know, 
my like two to three month in infiltrating there in Kansas City and I was out of shape. I was like weighing like two twenty and I was like in no cardio muscle form. I just yeah. didn't work out. It was and, you know, my line of work, I have to work out. you got to be in physical shape because, right. you know, it could be that day you're fighting for your life, yeah. you know, with something. So I uh, got into my head. I was like, you know what, let me just do something. And I honestly just got obsessed with it. I uh, looked at it, and I was like, honestly, I'm probably not going to be able to do this. Um, but I'm just going to go ahead and just give it a shot. Yeah. And then, uh, like, my first couple days – unbelievably sore just i i was just at the point where i had to do like my second out like my outside workout was going to be a walk because i can't do anything else because how sore it was and i remember like two times i was like in the beginning it was like absolute thunderstorm just just (sighs) i just walk in just just walk in and just you know actually smiling just enjoying you know those are the moments like for me when i was um, doing it for the very first time, there was times where I would go and it would just be pouring, but then you have, like, motivational... Like, I would play, like, Andy Frisilla or, like, Jocko Willink, like, motivational, uh, or, like, Jordan Peterson, well, they, and you just feel like a... Bo- like, there's just something about it where you, like, you don't really feel like you're, right like... Mm-hmm. You don't really feel like you're, like, better than everyone else, but it, it puts you in, like, a motivated state... To just be like, because you're the only one. I mean, you're like, right. I'm it's, here in the rain right now. Right, and everyone, like, what else? Is, what is like everyone else is like inside? Like you could be, you know, sitting on your couch watching TV, being comfortable, and instead you're out there like, because then at that point, really, seventy five hard is just one hundred percent you versus your mental, stability of like, ah, I mean, I really don't want to do this, but I'm gonna go do it. You know. No, for sure. I mean, I had my days where I was like. I'm fed up. Like I'm done with this. Like I don't want to do this. You know, especially I started working midnights at the PD, and you know, drinking a gallon of water a day wasn't hard for me because I just went out and, like Amazon bought a gallon jug, and I honestly would drink a gallon and a half a day because I'm sweating so much. You know, I work or doing you know whatever. Um, I think the hardest thing was um, was probably the the diet. You know, I got to the point where it's like. You kind of get to that point where you haven't drink alcohol in a little while, and yeah. you're kind of just like, eh, like I don't, yeah. I don't really, you know, yeah. I don't really want it, I don't really need it, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, food wise, I didn't have like a strict um, like diet plan. I just knew like I'm gonna be eating a lot of grilled chicken, steak, you know, meats, right. uh, vegetables, fruits, which I never really did, and I would you know meal prep, do all that, stay away from fried foods, just. Yeah. Just kind of work through that. Fast and, food, sugary stuff. Yep, yeah, sugary stuff. No, none of that. And um, I just, you know, started shrugging. And, you know, you don't really start seeing results until, you know, probably like two weeks, three weeks. And I actually started seeing the results, you know, because I had a belly on me. I had no muscle. I had nothing. You know, I was just like worse shape, worse. I was just mental state wise I was you know I was struggling with a bunch of different things going on in my life at that time and uh, this was really something that you know I had to like okay you know I have to get up you know I gotta work tonight Mm -hmm. I gotta do my workouts and I'll get up in the morning and we either do like a weightlifting or do something in the pool or 
you know, or go on a walk. And then, um, cause it only had to be one, one or both could be outside. So, right. you know, yeah. I would do more outside actually, cause I found it, you know, um, I enjoyed it a lot more and start getting into running, started loving running. Right. You know, I remember my first mile I did was like 928. <sighs> and I remember I was just like, I did 928. I mean, a mile. that's really not, that's not too bad, though. Well, in the military, I got a mile and a oh, half. Shoot. I got to get a certain amount of time. Yeah. It's like late 12s, so like I was never going to get that. Oh, yeah. shoot, yeah, you better be hustling. Yeah, yeah. so and, uh, I got to the point where I was, towards the end of it, I was getting underneath seven-minute miles. Yeah, and just it. Just, you know, running two, three, four miles okay. and just, just, you know, starting really. It, it humbles you quick. I remember, like, when I was... Man, I was like around the age of twelve or something, like playing travel soccer. My fastest mile was like six thirty six, and then like ten years later, you're like, Fuck. you don't really soccer sure. because I remember doing the same thing, sure. like running a, a sub seven minute mile when I'm in like junior high yeah. and, and like middle school and stuff and high school, like that stuff. It's like whatever, run a mile, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Four, yeah. Twelve year old me would run laps around my old house nowadays. <laughs> like, it's but it goes to show though, like how putting that dedication in doesn't have to be through 75 hard but just starting to run how fast you can just how quickly yeah, how reach, how far you can reach back like we always want to doubt ourselves and think like oh I can't achieve something but it's like you do it because it doesn't happen in one day right, right. you give it three months of training yeah. Brett's now running from a nine to a sub seven or an almost a six now like right. that's crazy and like has a six pack and is like well that's the thing though too that that's probably a, a major reason is like come January 1 the gym is full of like new people and a large reason probably why they fall off is like because they're not seeing the results that they want and so I think the good thing about 75 hard is, is it keeps you in check and kind of gives you more of like a structured system of like okay this is what and I need to do in two weeks right right, right. And, <laughs> and I think a huge thing too is you gotta have like what is your goal here Right. You know, it's not just like, just, yeah. I want to, you know, I just want to do it just to do it because that's not going to be a good enough reason, yeah. you know, a couple of weeks down the road when you're just like, I'm, I'm done with this, yeah. you know, and yeah. I don't want to do this today or, yeah. you know, whatever, whatever the reason may be. And I just knew like my goals were, I want to get healthier. I want to do better and I want to see this through because right. I don't want to quit and do whatever. And I know you guys had your struggles, and I said you guys quit, but it's just, you know, it's it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's super hard. And, uh, no, we quit. Easy. No, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, you I'm, did it. Good for you, man. I remember I hit day 38, which is like the, the halfway mark, and I remember I just, like, got emotional, and I was just like, I'm really starting to see results. Yeah, like, I'm yeah. feeling better. Like, you know, I don't care what's going on in my life right now, but I just, this is something I want to see it through. Yeah. And, you know, I got to towards the end of September, and I was saw the way through, and it was it was great. I think one of the best books I read while doing it was David Goggins, like oh, "Can't Can't Hurt Me." Can't hurt me, yeah. That dude is insane. Yeah. And I would just like read that on some nights and be like, when I the next day, you know, I suddenly was feeling it. I was like, man, this dude, like, <laughs> this dude ran a hundred miles of the whole. Everybody was like, I can, I can, I can yeah. get up and I can go outside. Yeah. I can do a forty-five minute walk. I can do a body workout. I can do, I can do something today. Yeah. Huge, I, like now we're kind of in that circle of like David Goggins, Jordan Peterson, yeah. sort of. But like Jocko said it best, in my opinion, discipline equals freedom mm-hmm. type of thing. That's what I like. Even though I, I, I failed or what, whatever, 
during those two weeks, it really does, like, even though you're busy as hell throughout the day, at the end of the day, you, you but your mood is still, like, so much more uplifted, and then when you get into bed, you're like, okay, it's yeah. time to attack the next day with integrity, or, like, I did everything that I was supposed to do, yeah. that felt good. Right. It gives you, like, a sense of, more so a sense of purpose, as and also knowing, like, hey, this is the shit that I have to do tomorrow, and, like, planning out, like, when am I going to read, when am I... Like, you know, am I going to wake up super early and go on a walk and things like that? Um, well, and at the core of it all, that's already habits, to be honest, of highly successful people that yeah. they study or, like, yeah. they work it, they exercise, they write down their goals, they write down what they do in their day-to-day life, they read for 10 minutes, it maybe, but, like, yeah, though it's kind of funny how it all goes full circle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember I, I journaled during 75 hard and when I was deployed I journaled to workouts or whatever was going on in my day or anything like that and that helped a lot just not just see what you know what my results were from you know week one to you know week seven whatever workout program I was doing over there we just kind of just be like going skipping through and be like you know like wow like yeah. here's my progress like I see it but here it's down written yeah. you know how far I've, I've come from from yeah. week one day one to week seven you know day seven you know talk talk more on that like uh, about the inspiration that you get like you can get from that because it seems to me like we don't we don't write it down enough yeah or we don't give ourselves enough credit so like go go into that a little more yeah so for me personally it's like whatever it doesn't have to be about you know your just your workout it can be about you know notes about you know how you're feeling today you know what what things you did good today, what things you can work on today, what things you want to, you know, uh, prove on, you know, your short, long-term goals, whatever, like whatever you're thinking, you know, whatever you're feeling, you put it down on paper and then you can look back at later on when you're, you know, feeling, you want to get inspiration or, you know, you want to feel like, you know, like I'm feeling really good right now. Like I'm really in a really good spot in my life. I feel yeah. happy. And you look back and be like, look how far I've come from, from this moment you know, in the past to the present day. And that's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Well, it's, I, it's cool though too that you journal because then at the end of your 75 days, you can go back and, you know, like flip through the pages and be like, man, day 14, like I was having a shitty day. But then it, it makes you grateful because like those, those, those moments make you appreciate like where like you currently are now. Um, cause that's, that's been something that I've been trying to work on understanding that like, you know, there, there may be days where, you know, you're really struggling and I always tell myself like, it's, it's not, you don't, it's not a bad life. It's just a bad day. And then, so like having that actually on physical paper, cause I've tried to journal and stuff before, but I can never stay consistent with it because I'm not good at um like I guess expressing like how I'm feeling internally mm-hmm. um which that's kind of a skill in itself though yeah, yeah it is because um, we, we talked about that with last yeah. episode with Jamie we yeah. talked about this the same kind of principle like, like everyone kind of has their own niche of like how they're uh how they get their their internal feelings out whether it's like journaling or like Jamie would go on a walk and not, like, have headphones in. She would just try to be present in the moment and, 
you just listen to nature and, and things like that. So uh, it kind of seemed like journaling was your small niche of like how you kind of expressed how you were feeling throughout the the whole process of it all and things like that. And then did you journal while you were in Kuwait as well? Yeah, when I was doing a, um, I, started, I didn't start off journaling, but then I started a workout program by the two guys that I was telling you about earlier. Yeah. And then so I would start journaling there. And because there's stuff going on in my personal life while it's over there too, that I was yeah, trying, yeah. I was working through and yeah, for sure. and uh, I was like I need to get something down on paper like I'm full of emotions mm-hmm. you know from highs to lows you know like just being over seven thousand miles away not no family no friends you know eight nine hours you know everybody's behind. Yeah. You know, so it's you're like, man, I really need to talk to someone right now, but they're all asleep. They're all asleep. The <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, I, there's, a, there's a few good people that I worked with over there that we got close and, you know, we were able to, you know, all, like, lean on each other and do stuff, which is great. And um, But, you know, it's not the same when, you know, you can't talk to family or friends right. or right. just go over to, you know, their house. or Not like the good old days in the fraternity house. You can just walk down the hall and be like, hey, bro, like, I'm going. You mean the comp? Do not be playing this up like <laughs> like anything crazy. Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, it it was just a good outlet, a good healthy outlet. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good though, because I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people find try to find that outlet in things that aren't healthy, and so it's cool that you were able to, you know, express it through through that way. Very noble, I'd say, too. Very noble, and like I respect and support the fuck out of you always have but like that is so hard to do to like not only be in a bad mental state from some from personal stuff yeah to then being pushed to move seven thousand miles away and then not wanting to rip your hair out yeah like well technically he's involved well I was, True. Just, I was just making a joke <laughs> <laughs> well but like you know what I'm saying like that yeah. that is so like you just said, that is so. That'd be hard. That would be. That's so hard that because it's very difficult for people to find that outlet. I think. Yeah, and it wasn't just the journaling and doing that stuff too. Spiritually, you know, um, I got really close with God. I started going to church in February, and then it kind of just ed me on more. I started reading the Bible more, and then actually started going to like a men's Bible study every week. Over there? Over Kuwait. there in Kuwait. Awesome. Yeah, there's like a group of four or five of us. And, you know, I personally, you know, I don't know a whole lot about the Bible other than, you know, yeah. you know, Bible school, like, you know, when we were kids or whatever that we <laughs> went to. Maybe you go to and yeah, yeah, and... yeah. You kind of like, I kind of know like the basics exactly. of everything, you know. Yeah. And um, it was there, these guys were super knowledgeable, you know, didn't judge me that, you know, I haven't really read the Bible too much or knew too much. And they kind of just... Yeah were that extra support over there and you know I did a lot of praying you know every night and just it it all the whole totality of it all like really helped me get through that six month deployment being gone from home yeah so now that you've been back um I know that you've been really honing in on like get back together with your you know a lot of your buddies and and things like that because I know um you know you enjoy going out um, having, a, having a drink and stuff like that which I think is super great and of course we, we love that you're back um, and things like that so um, 
did you take anything from like your experience over there that you're gonna now use moving forward like now that you're fully transitioned in the KCPD and, and things like that um I, I think I got a lot more knowledge of my job when I was over there uh-huh. and being a being a supervisor that I'm gonna take over to me over to you know National Guard side of it my air base and everything yeah. and improve on training and different stuff that uh, that me and a couple guys that were at my base that are on the same unit that we talked about while oh. we were over there. And uh, we're going to utilize all that experience and hopefully, you know, make it better for the next go-around when yeah. doing everything. Um, I think with the PD-wise, it's, you know, just more, ad, you know, facing adversity and working through it and just, you know, applying, you know, just whether it's working out and training to, you know, how I handle things, you know, uh, when we get into high stressful situations and everything like that, I have different healthy outlets to go into, you know, when I'm working on, on the streets and everything like that. Um, do you, do you think with your experience of going through a lot of personal issues and getting through that, via healthy outlets and things like that because I know that you were recognized here in the city for um, your heroic act of saving um, an individual's life who was wanting to um, end their life by jumping off I believe it was one of the bridges here or an interstate here within the city do you think that's like what was that kind of situation like knowing that that you were able to to help save that person, but then also, I don't, I don't really know how I'm trying to explain it, but it's like, what was it like experience in saving someone's life? Knowing that like you have struggles like of your own, did that make you like appreciate more of like, because everyone has their own like, Struggle. what they think yeah. of as bad, but Opposite then when bad. you experience something like that, you're where you like, you know, Maybe my bads, you know, aren't as crazy as like I truly think. Yeah. So if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, it was a um, a young, you know, twenty year old female that was going through a mental health crisis. You know, she left a ex uh, boyfriend's place, and we got the call, and that happened. Me and another buddy happened to be not super far away from you know where the call originated from. And so we started heading that way. And um, as we're growing up to the area, um, the boyfriend or the ex-boyfriend was like, hey, she left. She went down this way um, and then went like northbound, you know, on I think it was like Frontage Road or something over in Overland Park when I was working there at the time. And um, another dispatcher was able to call her and actually get her and she picked up. And she told the dispatcher, she was like, I'm going to a bridge, and I'm going to jump off of it. And so in my head, where, where the closest bridge was at, so I was like, well, I'm going to go check over there. Yeah. Clearly. Mm-hmm. So I head out that way, and, of course, I'm rolling up, and I'm thinking as I'm rolling here, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, right. I'm going to get out. I'm going to talk to her, trying to get – if she's, you know, on the ledge or doing whatever, you know, I'm going to, you know, slowly, like, walk towards her, talk to her, you know – just try to build some rapport and in my head I'm like if she does the opposite you know tries to you know take her life you know I'm gonna do what I can to save her and 
I rolled up and she was on the ledge and you know there was thankfully there's a, a fence that she would have to climb okay so I roll up and everything was like slow motion at that point when I hopped out of the car like I was yeah. ready to just like talk to her she like looked back at me and, and she started climbing and then so I just ran and jumped off the I guess it's the concrete barrier and leaped up yeah, and you had like literally like leaped and was like mid-air yeah, and you're like yeah I like, like, like bear 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 hugged her yeah and, like, and brought her down make yeah. sure you know I don't hurt her in the process right, right, you know right, yeah. or myself and bring her down and you know our mental health team there uh Northern Park great people you know got there and you know uh we got her to the hospital and she had a you know, do the whole the hospital process of it yeah, all, and, for sure. yeah. and the 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 thing that you know really brought you know a tear my eye was, you know, I was able to be at the right place at the right time. She answered the phone. You know, it was a lot of good things happened that were able to get me to that point of because right. she easily could have just not, of course, not yeah. picked up picked up at all. At that point, and, you know, who knows what. We wouldn't know where she went. We would have known that she just went, you know, one direction, you know. And um, what was, you know, something that really struck me was her mom, like, called my work phone and left a voicemail, you know, and thanking me and, you know, for being there for her that day and, you know, saving her life. And that always stuck to me, hit me in the core, like, this is why I do the job. And, you know, it's always great to go arrest, you know, you know, you know the criminals you know you know you know getting them off the streets but at the same time that you really do, do can make a difference yeah in this instance i was able to do that yeah with her yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah. and you matter everybody you have to remember that yeah so um but yeah man that's we we're very thankful for individuals like you not only serving our country but serving um, the individuals here in the Kansas City metro area. Um, and I think, you know, kind of in regards to the whole concept of our podcast and what, um, when we say stay steady, just staying in the constant form of like trying to improve, I definitely think that you're a, a mirror image of that. Being, you know, going through your, you know, tries and tribulations of, you know, going through a lot of, um, personal issues, but then also having a career um, as a police officer, which is something that's not easy. So you're always having to keep yourself in check, like physical wise, mental wise, because, you know, a a lot of situations could be like, maybe you're just having a bad day and that could completely affect, you know, your day and and other individuals' lives as well. So Mm -hmm. um, once again, we, we appreciate you coming on appreciate you, you know, everything that you do um, for your friends and family, for this country, and for the people of Kansas City. And um, do you have any any last words or anything for us before we sign off? Or I just appreciate you guys, you know, yeah. asking me to come on and talk and wasn't really expecting it, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm all, I mean, I'm all about it. So I, 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 I'm very grateful. So it's been a huge pleasure. Uh, real quick, drop your uh, like socials or anything. Oh, yeah, your Instagram, put on there, like, that. like so people can find you, let you know who you are. Yeah, um, Instagram's private, but it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, Brett B R E T T underscore Usher U S H E R underscore E Ushery. So that's how you pronounce my last name. So check check him out. Thanks again. 
I'm Chandler. Yep, and I'm Connor. And as always, stay, stay steady. steady. <laughs> and we love you guys. Bye.